This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. It's Thursday. We are in the studio today with Pastor Will Franco from Tri-Village Church in Streamwood, Illinois. Uh, pastor Will is a campus pastor there, and they are a church plant off of Wheaton Bible. And again, about seven, eight minutes from Village Church of Bartlett. Will, is there any connection between our churches other than Jesus and the gospel? Uh, we're both really good looking. We're both. I mean... I wasn't going to say that, but I was looking at you and I was thinking, I'm as good looking as he is and he could be a supermodel. So, yeah. Um, That's good. This got weird fast. <laughs> so, well, let's get into it. Uh, uh, the question is, how do you struggle with idolatry? And let me be clear, what we don't mean are little statues. Although, I guess I have to say, if that is a struggle of yours, you could talk about it. Right, um, right. I think we'd have bigger issues. Right, it'd be bigger issues. I might yeah. question your qualifications as a pastor, but that, you know. Right. <laughs> so let's 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 help our audience, okay? Because idolatry is like an elusive word. It's like pride. What does it really mean? You yeah. know, and so yeah. our job is to give words to more complex issues. So um, as simply as we can, what? how would you define idol? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be the same I would, as long as it just helps our audience kind of get like hooks yeah. so they can hang their hat on this concept. Yeah, I would just say is anything that takes God's place. Done. Or anything you love, trust, or need more than God. Anything, that's one word, that takes God's place. Five words. <laughs> anything that takes God's place. That's right. It. That's good. I love that. Yeah. We'll go with that. That's a working definition everybody can get. So if, uh, for example, if God says um, to you, Will, um, I want you to stop drinking caffeine, and you say, no, is caffeine an idol? Well, that's interesting. Yeah, because it could be. It could be if, right. if, if you're because not letting it go. Yeah. more important to you than God's right, word. Right, right, right. So right. whether it's God himself, God's word, God, whatever it is, anything right. that God wants for you Amen. that you don't want is more important than God. Exactly. All right. So if God says to you, Will, um, I want you to punch Michael in the face <laughs> and you don't do it. <laughs> right? right. Is your fear of me idolatry, right? <laughs> yes. You know, anyways, I don't think God would do that. Right. I don't think so. I don't think so. That would be funny. Though. <laughs> that would be hilarious. I'm thinking of weird things he's asked Old Testament prophets to do. Yeah, and I'm like, some, some of them are weird. He had weirder. Ezekiel lay down like for like like years, bro. So I laid on his side for years. So yeah. no, he's done some, he's asked me some weird stuff. That's my nightmare. Oh, wow. Maybe it wasn't years. Maybe it was one. I don't know how long. It was Jeremiah, a long time. It was way Ezekiel. too long. Somebody in the Old Testament who was old and dead yeah. laid down for a long for a time. Oh, maybe it was Jeremiah. I don't know. I don't know who it was. I, I was one of them. It was somebody. Dan, can you find that out? And we'll let you audience know later. See, as Christians, we don't need. Yes, I believe. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. We don't we don't need to have all the answers or to remember all things. <laughs> yep, amen. Uh, let's just say our our idolatry is not needing to be the smartest person in the room. Yep. Well, maybe mine is. Okay. So <laughs> anyway, that question is not about me. I'm not. I'm all right. You know what's really funny? Sorry to cut you no, off. You cut me off. I I'm grew just... up growing up in my house. Um, because of my dad's background, um, they believed in a religion called Santeria, which was it's a uh, it's I've a, never heard it's of a cult. It's a it's a, a mixture of Catholicism and African voodoo, African spiritualism. What's and it so, called? Uh, Santeria. So Sant like Santo, like a saint. Yeah, it's the worship of saints. Okay, close to Catholic, but yeah, it yeah. is in that because what the happen is because there was a lot of there was a lot of Africans in Cuba when the Spanish came. Mm-hmm. Part of the way that the Spanish conquered is by forcing was by forcing their religion on you, which well, is really effective. I find right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. always works. That That's always right. works. Force them, <laughs> die or convert. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. What a lot of them ended up doing was they literally just combined the two. So they started mm-hmm. using 
Catholic language, but kept all their African spirits. Hmm. And so it literally is a, a, a Secretism. Mash- so growing up in my grandma's house, she she actually still believes this. Um, she lives in the city. There's statues. There's a, there's a statue of Mary. It looks like Mary, but it has a different African name. And there's like little toys left and there's bowls everywhere with yeah. fruit. And there's actual fruit that she buys at the store and leaves them there as sacrifices to these spirits. Interesting. Yeah. And wow. uh, so whenever we have our girls go over. What a waste uh, of money. Right. And I'm thinking, do they think? They, they probably think the fruit's being eaten, but all that's happening, that's just, it's just right. moldy. Yeah, yeah. Right. No one's eating that. Like, yeah. You know when the gods eat it because it turns colors. <laughs> oh. So I actually grew up. I actually <laughs> grew up in that, in that world. I had a lot of surgeries growing up. I, I had an ear deformity, so I had a lot of surgeries growing up. And I remember clearly before surgeries, my grandma sitting her me in her living room and doing a seance, like this whole thing, because wow. we weren't believers yet. Yeah. And so she was the most faithful one to her religion. And it was animal sacrifices and everything, man. It was, it was this is going on in Chicago. Like this isn't like like Old Testament. This is going on, you know, now. <laughs> like 20 years ago. Yeah. You know? Well, so. what was your ear deformity? Because you do have a scar on your head. Yes, so like yes. what's the origin? So of that? I was born with microtia, which is an ear deformity. And so which microtia literally in Latin means little ear. Hmm. And I think it's about about one in every six thousand kids are born with it. It's actually in the same category as cleft lip. Okay. So from the age of five to the age of 18, I had 14 major reconstructive surgeries. Wow. Um, Why did it take so many? Because everything got ruined when I was eight. Like we, we, well, I was supposed to be done around eight. And uh, every time they would send me home, I would have all these bandages on and they would tape my arm to cardboard and I, my arms. And I would sleep like this at night. With your arms out? With my arms that taped yeah. so I couldn't scratch it because it would Our get so itchy. can't see your hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is in a video. Right. That's right. My bad, my bad. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so one night uh, my arm got loose and I started scratching and my mom woke up and my all my bandage has shifted and it, it completely shifted and it was blood like it was blood and I went to I went and they, they had to get rid of all of it and restart the process so I ended up taking until I was 18 because I was missing school and everything because we were trying to get it done quickly but then that time then we started doing it on Christmas breaks and summer breaks and so it ended up just spreading it out until I was 18 what's wow. funny though is at 18, I was still, Children's Memorial is where the, where the doctor was. He was like world-renowned for this surgery. And I was still going to Children's Memorial at 18. So I was at Children's Memorial with these little gowns. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a, with a full beard yeah, yeah, little, full gowns. little gowns. And they're like, who's this creep right now? Yeah, like, right. What are you doing here? Like, hey, kids. <laughs> hey, kids. My name's Bill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bill Franco. <laughs> you call me Bill Fredo. <laughs> It was bad, man. Listen was to bad. our previous episodes <laughs> if you want to hear his real name. Anyways. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. So anyways, all, every time I would go out, I would get, uh, this is the beginning, before we became Christians, I would we would go to over her apartment and we would do this whole routine to get me, to get the evil spirits out wow. and to protect me as I went into surgery. That's crazy. So I actually saw real idolatry growing up. Like yeah. it wasn't like it, the little statues and the stuff, that was real. That was like yeah. right across the way from me. So I, yeah. I saw that all the time growing up. Do people ask you about your scars? They frequently? do. Yeah. They do, yeah. All right, so if I were you, I'm just going to be candid. Yeah, yeah. I would have super stories. <laughs> like, man, I'm ready to go. Um... I mean, like, yeah, I got jumped. Um, and uh, But at the time, I wasn't a Christian, and uh, I had three knives on me and a gun. I, I missed, and uh, the powder blew up. It blew my ear off. They had to re-put it back on. But there, there, were three, um, there were three men and one girl. And ironically, the men ran, but it was the girl. She stayed. And I just we were just fighting. And uh, she pulled out a knife. I pulled out mine. And uh, she was in the hospital for days. Uh, but before she was done, um, she got, it was just really painful and oh, I almost man. died and, um, I, I have it. no hearing in this ear anymore. 
Um, and uh, I've got ten percent in this year, but it's it's fine. It's fine. I'm good. It's fine, dude. I'm you know? good. I'm telling you, I have I have a story for you already. Right? I, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like Melchis, the guy who Peter's ear he cut Peter cut yes. his ear off. Yeah. If I had a rap, if I had a rap name, it would be Melchis. Yeah, that's I'd so good. Yeah. That's so good. Do you rap? No, no, no. I no, don't, please I don't. do. Please do. <laughs> no, I, I, I it was a clear black belt. <laughs> Come on, oh, man, we're going back. Yeah. We're going back. But anyways, it feels good to be a gangster. But I, but, I, but I bring that up. You know why it's funny? That it's interesting that we got there because actually that was actually a big source of my idolatry growing up. Oh, I can only um, imagine. I mean, mm-hmm. that's. I mean, every kid is insecure about their body. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter who you are and where you are. But if you have something out of the ordinary, yep. doubly, mm-hmm. like that's that's. How did you handle that? I actually told this story to my congregation two weeks ago. I remember being in fourth grade. There was a, a kid named Eddie. And uh, we were sitting across from each other, and uh, he, we got, in, we, were, we were laughing about something. And in the middle of lunch, he looks over at me, and he's like, "Shut up, you one-eared freak." And that's what he called me that. Wow. And I remember that was that'll, like that'll stick. that, yeah, that that devastated me. So yep. I, that's what I thought I was from from that moment on. I thought mm-hmm. I was a one-eared freak. And so right around middle school, I actually, because my hair used to be longer than what it is now, and so I actually, no one knew about my scar. Interesting. Um, and so I actually started wearing permanent marker on my scar from the age of thirteen to the age of twenty-eight. Mm. Um, and then one time I was at, um, I did a youth retreat and I was, I was a youth pastor by then. And I was teaching on the fear of man that weekend. And I was telling our students not to wear masks. And if Jesus loves you, accepts you and died for you, then who cares what anybody else thinks? And then I remember we're driving back from Wisconsin. I'm driving this, this bus thing. And, and I just feel the Holy Spirit just call me a hypocrite, Wow, a hypocrite. And what's funny is I, the, the word hypocrite, I just was studying it in the passage we were looking at. The word hypocrite in Greek literally means to speak out from under. And it was the, the word used to describe the art, the, the actors in yeah. the theater. And so it means to speak out from under a mask. And so it was interesting that he called me a hypocrite, even though I didn't know that word really meant mm. in biblically and so i was i was wearing a mask and so for a few months him and i just wrestled me and yeah. me and god just wrestled wow. like like jacob and and you know and god and i and i just didn't want to do it he was like god was saying to me i want you to shave your head that's literally what i felt the god wow. say to me and if you would have told me a year earlier than that hey you're going to be a millionaire in a year or you're going to shave your head in a year i would have thought i would have believed the millionaire thing wow. you know what i mean and I, not a prosperity joke i know you don't yeah. like prosperity but you know what i mean like so I you do <laughs> no i just be clear <laughs> But what I mean is, I, I literally. What I mean <laughs> is, I mean, Joel seems cool and all, you know. Kenneth Copeland, I mean, sure. Maybe, all I'm saying is, maybe I sell blessed handkerchiefs on the side. That's all I'm saying. I, I sell, that's I how I make one? my money. That's how I make my what money. What happens there. if I burn your blessed handkerchief? <laughs> For clarity, <laughs> Village Church and friends and foes, he's not a prosperity right, preacher right, right. in any way. <laughs> Just to be sure. But, yeah. uh, he heard he said. <laughs> but what's crazy is, after, after all of that happened, um, I, 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 so I decided one day I was going to shave my head. I went to my wife and I said, Hey, I feel like God's calling me to shave my head. And she knew what that meant to me. Mm-hmm. She said, are you sure? She's like, that's big. And I'm like, yeah. And so I shaved my head that night and I actually, my scar was worse than what I thought because I, I would usually keep my bandages so long on that by the time they would come off, a lot of my hair would have already had grown back. So my scar actually went higher than what I thought it did. And it was worse, but it was weird. There was this peace I felt while I was doing it. And, and the way I, I, I would tell the story is up to that point, I thought I was defined by the scars on my head, you know? Mm. And at that moment, I realized that I was, it was part, I was partially right. I was defined by scars, but it was the scars on my savior, not the scars on my head, mm. you know? And I, I needed to go through that though, yep. to realize. And then once I did and started sharing my story, um, people were just like, wow, thank you for sharing. And it ended up being something that I'm like, I can never go back to keeping my hair long. You know, yeah. I can never go back because it, it it means too much to me and to, and to other people. I still struggle with it though. Yeah. I still find myself sitting on the, the right side of rooms so that people are only seeing this side of my head. Yeah. So the struggle doesn't stop. 
Um, but it's just a constant reminder that the gospel yeah. is giving me what I need. That's so awesome. the, the fear of man and the idolatry doesn't stop. You just got to constantly yeah. be in can that I, Can I ask you a question about it? Yeah. So um, we we did not prep for any of this, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. This is all like off the cuff. Yeah, right, right. Um, so whenever whenever I'm whenever I talk to somebody who's got like, a, 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 we'll just say a, a root sin of fear that they're overcoming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a question I'd just love to ask. It's not to expose. It's just to kind of get into your head because um, fear for me, I've, I've had a history of fear with um where my body has fearful reactions to things, but my mind isn't afraid of them. Mm. So like speaking in public was petrifying for me for like eight or nine years. Mm. I had to do it and overcome it, even though I had no fear of people so mm. much. Mm. My body had these mm. um, nervous reactions, nervous reactions yeah. that mm. debilitated me actually. So, but um, it was interesting because somebody came to me and they said, okay, um, what are you afraid of? Mm. And I couldn't articulate it, you know? And when I started to articulate it, I was like, that sounds like, not whatever. So anybody, anytime myself, I do this to myself regularly. Fear comes up and other people. So if I were to like, look at you at 28 years old, the day before you shaved your head, okay. Mm -hmm. You're facing down these fears. You've obviously built like brain pathways in your brain that have fed fear. That's like the normal thing for people Mm -hmm. who have any kind of fear to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so if I were to sit down with that, that Bill Franco Mm -hmm. (laughs) and say to him, uh, what are you afraid is going to happen? Mm. specifically what would he have said it was weird it was it would the one-year freak people would see the one-year freak okay. like i was scared that they would see the fourth grade me okay so all right so they see it right so every so there's a fear now underneath that fear is another fear so just keep going i'm not trying to psychoanalyze no, i'm no, just no, very no, no. curious because this you are one of many people um in my life who have physical challenges mm. and they're petrified of facing them or exposing them and mm. um so okay so somebody uh in your adult world looks at you and says you're a one-eared freak yeah i guess it was i guess the fear underneath that fear is that being what i'm judged by because i remember even yeah. in high school any uh, to this day little kids will stand next to me in the grocery store and just look up at me like what happened to this mm-hmm. guy's head you yeah. know and I guess it's, I don't want that to be what people have defined me by, yeah. you know, I wanted people to, and so actually right around the time I started using permanent marker, I decided I'm going to have people know me because of my personality. Mm-hmm. And so I became the class clown. I became the, try to become the center of attention. Like, mm-hmm. cause I wanted people to see me for, even if it wasn't the real me, I want people to see me for anything other than anything that. Other than that. Yep. So I guess that's my, my, the fear underneath right, that. Let's fear. go further then. Yeah. Why would you, why, why would you be afraid if, if people that really don't care about you um, see you for that rather than who you are. That's a good point. I don't know. I guess I, I, I you know, what's funny. I feel it more. You're right. It's, it's with strangers that I feel the most with people. A lot of times with people mm-hmm. I'll never see again, you yeah. know? Yep. Um, and I, and I, and I found myself trying to tell the story about my year, even mm-hmm. though no one was asking me about mm-hmm. it. You yep. know what I mean? Like, and, and, and it was always something that I had to wrestle with because I wanted to almost explain myself. Like yeah. before you think anything, I yeah. want you to know why, why. Yeah. I want you to know why I had to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was just that. Keep that, going. I guess it was that. It was that yeah. fear of thinking, I want people to leave and be thinking about me, not about this, not yep. about my scar. Yep. You know, it, 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 I just didn't want to be defined by yeah. it. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause we could keep going and asking mm-hmm. like, so why, why did you want that? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's an interesting. So what I find with fear in myself and everyone, cause everybody has fear mm-hmm. to a degree, some mm-hmm. bigger degrees than others, you know, is that once you start dismantling it intentionally mm-hmm. and somebody pushes those conversations, whether it's a counselor, pastor, friend, doesn't matter. Um, it is interesting that when you really get down to the core of most fear, uh, it, it originates in different places. Mm. You know what I mean? It has mm. different like catalysts. Oftentimes there's a moment when you're a kid, like mm. that fourth grade, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my fear of speaking came back to Mrs. 
seventh grade mm. and she made fun of me when I spoke in front of the class. Mm. Like uh, she didn't intend it. She was sort of teasing me, but my seventh grade mind couldn't mm. process it, you know? Mm. And it began a um, subconscious bodily response, mm. you know? Um, and so like when you really get down to it though, it's an interesting thing. Um, so like I had to face my fear of speaking and saying, I'm afraid to talk in front of people because a woman who meant no harm to me made an objectively funny little joke mm. that affected nobody in the room. Mm. And I decided to hold on to that mm. in a deep way. Like mm. it almost like I got back to the core and I'm like, wow, like mm -hmm. I, it's actually irrational. Mm -hmm. The deeper you get and you know, but it, it goes to show that every human at its core, there are just these base irrational things that yeah. drive us. Yeah. And Jesus wants to enter into those deep core moments. Sometimes though, uh, he has to, he, he has to unravel that by getting all the way to the conclusion. So the conclusion mm -hmm. is your scar and covering it up, you know? So you start to uncover it and you're like, crap, I am a hypocrite. I'm mm -hmm. teaching these kids this thing. And then you keep going back. And I, I'm just amazed. Whatever the sin is in my life, the more I unravel it and I get to the core, um, I'm just reminded again, like, I am broken. I'm a pastor, mm. but doggone it, I am motivated by things. I don't even know how far back mm -hmm. they go. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just crazy. So, I, I would probably go back to that moment then, now that yeah. you bring it up. It would be that moment of uh, Jesus has to, it's almost like I got to put Jesus in that at that lunch table yep. and hear what that guy said and have Jesus say, yep. and so what? You know, I yeah, died. Big deal. Yeah. Right. Like, I, it, it, that's yeah. not where your value comes from. You you're know? mine. It's right. official. You're yeah. done. Yeah. And I think, and I think so often I go back to that day. Yeah. And that's a good point. I've never gone back to that. I know that was the catalyst, yeah. but I never thought about applying the gospel to that moment. You yeah. know, so often I think about the gospel now power mm -hmm. and you forget about gospel. There could be gospel then power too, yeah. even though you didn't know the gospel yeah. yet. I was going to go in and change that. Yeah. Second grade, Justin. Um, I was a chubby second through eighth grader. We were in the social hall. That's what they call it um, at our school. And uh, he, I remember every day I get up and I knew I was over it. I was the, I was the second chubbiest kid in the class. I was mm -hmm. 88 pounds in second grade, which is by the way, is a lot. And, um, and that was like the, the peak of it. But like, uh, so we're down there and I always thought, you know, my pants are tight, my butt's big, but I didn't really think about it that much because it's second grade. I should mm -hmm. be thinking about these kind mm -hmm. of thoughts, you know? Mm -hmm. So Justin shouts, feelings got a big butt, oh. bro. Like every day, all day long, I'd go to the bathroom, I'd look and I would just, it just like, it were these words that seared into mm -hmm. my soul. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I've never actually considered like, what would Jesus say to me in that moment? When mm -hmm. you said that, I was like, wow, that's like, like, wow. I was going back to that mm -hmm. moment and I'm like that. Mm -hmm. So to the point where by eighth grade, I lost a ton of weight mm -hmm. because I refused to like mm -hmm. deal with it. And then ironically, I like have my dad's butt, which I have no butt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Like that's the that's weirdest thing that happened as I grew up. I'm like, I don't even have a butt. Like this is crazy. And uh, but as a kid, I did. Like I see my, I don't, I, yeah. Right, well, right, I actually right. have a literal one, but not, yeah. So maybe you're not Puerto Rican. Bro. Yeah, maybe I don't know, bro. Rican. Yeah, I'm seriously. taking your Puerto Rican card away because I know that's required. Yeah, something happened in adolescence though, like where that like kind of uh, where that kind of went away. But it was it was weird though. Like um, that that was that core moment motivated me mm. um, to lose a lot of weight in eighth grade. Mm. It was that moment. I could go back to second grade. Me too, man. And, uh, and, and, and honestly, like now, if I met the kid, man, you know, he'd be like, well, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Like, I was in second grade. Mm -hmm. I was an idiot, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm like, but it is amazing. Like, what would Jesus say to me in that moment? In that moment. You know? And uh, probably he'd be like, you do have a big butt. Yep. Big deal. Yep. Like, so what? Yep. Who cares? You'll lose weight in eighth grade. It'll be fine. Yep. You know, he would have just like dismantled the whole Called thing. The whole thing. He would have been like, it's cool to cry. It's a little disappointing. It's not mm -hmm. ideal, man. But hey. 
bitch. It's all right. Don't let this define you. Nope. I define you. Nope. But that would have been awesome to have him in that moment. You that would have been huge, man. Yeah. But maybe I would have lost weight in eighth grade and maybe I'd be like 400 pounds and obese right now. <laughs> that hadn't happened. Who knows, right? I don't know. He's got away. Um, so uh, how do you struggle with idolatry? So that, that was honestly, that was a really, that was a really great answer. Um, so um, is there like another aspect of your life that you just say is even as a preacher, like uh, every preacher, everybody has to deal with being in the public, being mm-hmm. seen, being liked, being having good sermons, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, is there anything in that level that oh, yeah. maybe uniquely like is something you're just going to continue to work through? Th- yeah. For a while? The, when, when I counsel couples, um, I, I don't I think I heard this in, uh, I, I, I forgot, I don't know where I heard this. I, sometimes I hear things and I forget. So I just start using them and then act like they're mine, but <laughs> yeah, it's right. definitely not mine. Um, but I, I, um, I heard this, this thing where he said, everybody has, you know, surface idols. And then everyone has deeper idols. And I, I know Keller talks about this in his book, Counterfeit Gods, but and it's a great book if you guys want to read it. It's a wonderful book on idolatry. It changed the way I preach, changed mm-hmm. the way I look at everything. But but um, I don't. This this is not from Keller. The, the the person was talking about deeper idols, and he was saying every person has one of three deeper idols. No way. We just. I, I'm so curious what they yeah, are. It's a significance, yeah. security, or satisfaction. Yeah. So it's approval, control. Yeah. Or comfort. Yeah. We just did an all staff yesterday and we called them um, pride, fear, or pleasure. Um, we have one of our staff finishes is finishing his MDiv in their counseling class called them unbelief, idolatry, which would be the pride, pride pleasure. And then the, uh, yeah, it's pride. Uh, pl- yeah. So it was just different like yeah. terms for some yeah. of the same core mm-hmm, oomph mm-hmm. that like drives And so, we, so yeah. for me, so it's funny. My wife is a security person. Mm-hmm. And so almost all her surface idols are motivated by security. Interesting. That's and sweet. I am a significance person. So all mine are motivated by significance. Yeah. So, so for a long time, now we've switched. I'm the budget guy now, but for a mm-hmm. long time, we would get a check, whether it was her check or my check for mm-hmm. work. And I would right away be figuring out how to spend it. And she would right away be thinking about how to save it. Why? Because significance is my thing. So money, I spend money mm-hmm. to make me look a certain way mm-hmm. and she saves money to make her feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. So, so security always motivated her. And, and even with our girls, like, um, uh, she gets bothered. If we're a public, my wife is more bothered that, that our girls aren't obeying us. I can care less. I'm, I'm mad because of how they're making me look. Yep. Does that make sense? So, oh, so, yeah. so significance and security always plays That's a role. Good, yeah. And what I've seen in my own life is that I actually, the three S's, I kind of, so at work, I'm all about security, power and control and, 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 you know, building my own, you know, my own empire. And then at home with other, with people, I'm significant. I want to look a certain way with people. Mm-hmm. But then when I get home, my idol, my, my, my idol is uh, satisfaction. So mm-hmm. don't bother me. Don't talk to me. Yep. I'm done performing. I don't want to be talking, you know what I mean? And so I kind of switch. So, but yep. primarily by and large, if I look at my childhood, if I look at my upbringing, mm-hmm. significance has been my deeper yep. idol. And something valuable I think to share is when we have conversations like this, like people who think like, what, you're, you're a complete hypocrite though. You describe yourself. No, it's just, you're, I think you're articulating who you are at your worst. Yep. You know, Amen. it's not like, so you're aware of it. So you go into, you go mm-hmm. into work and you're mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to be the worst. And sometimes right. you default to it. Right. That's understandable. Right. We right. all do. And so it's not a matter of like, you're an idolater who is yeah. knee deep in your worship. You know, it's a matter of, no, we all have idolatrous right. propensities. Right. So the question is like, what's, you know, so just to make sure our audience clear, I'm not trying to make you look like a terrible human. It's and, just, we need to lead out of authenticity right. and right. say, no, and no, 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 no. I, yeah, I got some junk in here. And, and one of the ways that I've dealt with it, and this is something that one of my pastor friends told me about. Um, he was actually the one that told me about the three S's, but he can't remember where he got it. So that's why I, we don't, I don't know it's not mine, but, but here's what's so funny though. So, so significant satisfaction and security. And what's amazing is that Jesus and John, 
he describes himself as the way, the truth, and the life. And so he's the way for the security person. He's the truth for the significance person. Mm-hmm. And he's the life for the comfort, the satisfaction person. Yeah. So Jesus meets all of our deepest idols uh, through the gospel. And so the, the, the security person who always wants to know the plan and the way and have control over everything needs to know that Jesus is the way they aren't. Mm. So they need to relax in that. And the person who's significance, but that's me, your, your, the, the, your view of yourself is always up and down depending on how people are reacting to you in the moment. But if Jesus is your truth, it doesn't matter, mm. right? You're the same person yep. everywhere. And then for the person who is satisfaction, Jesus is the ultimate source of life. Mm. Like no comfort, no rest will come more than in the gospel. Sounds you know, like so, your sermon for Sunday is ready. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> It's ready, it's ready. But I do that in all my marriage counseling. So yeah. I think that so often in marriage, it's idolatry that's that's causing all the problems. Mm. And it's like Luther says, the reason why you break commandments two through 10 is because you break the first one. Mm. Like I, I am, if I lie to someone is because in that moment, what they think about me is more important than what God thinks about me. So I'm actually breaking the first commandment before I break the ninth commandment, mm. you know? And so idolatry, I think, is just the root of all everything we wrestle with. You know, Mm. it's us replacing Jesus with something that's infinitely smaller than him. Mm. Awesome. Well, it is uh, the end of this day's um, recording and I want to invite you back tomorrow. The question's epic. It's our last day with you and uh, well, you can come back anytime you want, but for this week, it's the last day with you. And the question is, how should a Christian view Donald Trump's administration? Mm. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you guys tomorrow. (laughs) 